0: Right. Uh, I probably should be getting used to this by now, but I seem to continually be amazed at how God seems to continually make the messages that we have here line up with what's going on in life. Uh, we don't have a very complex preaching program here. Um, we take, do things very simply. We just work our way through whole books of the Bible. So we um, just pray about, well, Lord, what do you want us to teach on for the next six months, 12 months, or however long it takes? And we, we, we pick a book in the Bible, And we start at the beginning, and we work our way through it until we get to the end. Uh, Occasionally, very occasionally, I do take things a little bit out of order. So, for example, Palm Sunday wasn't long ago, and on that day, we jump forward to the bit where Jesus rode the donkey into Jerusalem. Uh, On Good Friday, we skip forward to the bit where Jesus was crucified. Had a bit of trouble on Christmas Day because we're preaching on the Gospel of Mark, And Mark actually doesn't have the account of Jesus' birth. So that was a bit of a trouble for us. But apart from seasonal stuff like Christmas and Easter, we just work our way through and through the book that we're studying. And it is amazing how often God just makes stuff line up with what's going on in life and in the world. So, for example, uh, last month, was when freedom of speech suddenly became a national issue because Israel Falal had posted something on his social media about hell. And guess what the Bible reading for that week just happened to be about? Jesus was teaching about hell. And so we're able to address it there and then. Okay, well, what do we as disciples of Jesus really believe about hell? But most of the time, I don't even know about how these things are lined up until after the service. And, and one of you will come up to me afterwards and say, "Wow, it's just amazing that, that that you would talk on that today, because such and such has been going on in my life during the week, and I'd had no knowledge of it." Um, well, that's just something that God has done. So here we are today. Now. As you can probably guess, I did know that Sammy's dedication was coming up today um, because Robin put it in my diary. And she keeps reminding me, you know, it's only six weeks until the dedication. You should go and visit the family, you know, and, and you know it's only five weeks, you know it's only four weeks. And so I did know it was coming up. But I also knew that in this section on Mark, there's actually some really tough stuff. So, for instance, last week was pretty heavy sort of message as we were hearing what Jesus had to say about, about marriage and divorce, and there's some really confronting teaching at times. So I was actually a little bit worried about where we might actually land, but when you see what the Bible reading for today is, you'll probably think I planned it that way. Ah, uh, I didn't. This is just something that God seems to do. It just happens to be where we're up to this week. So we're going to have the reading now. It's, only, it's Mark chapter 10. Verses 13 to 16. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them." What an amazing thing, eh? Just happened to be the reading for today. And what a perfect reading for a dedication. Now, if we didn't know any better, we might just conclude, oh, that's an interesting coincidence. But when this sort of thing just seems to happen over and over again, you you sort of start to realise, actually, it's not a coincidence, this is just something that God does. It's a God-incidence. Sammy? Where is Sammy? There he is. Sammy, the Lord has a special message for you today, and it's a special message for all of the children. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much. Jesus loves, welcomes, and blesses little children. And the Lord has a special message for us adults today too. Be a bit more like the kids, right? That there is no great academic leap required to become a Christian. It's just a matter of receiving the kingdom of God with the faith of a child. Isn't God good that for this day of dedication of a child, our word for today is, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Righto, so what's going on here? The, the, The people were bringing their kids to Jesus for him to touch them. Now, the sort of touch that, that we're talking about is described in verse 16. And he took the children in his arms, he put his hands on them, and blessed them. You know, one of the great sadnesses of our broken world is the perversion of touch. A simple hug can be more effective to console the grieving than a thousand words. Physical contact with the outcast lets them know, hey, I'm with you. I'm not somebody who's rejecting you. A crying child just needs to be enveloped in somebody's arms to feel the compassion and be consoled. The lonely person just needs someone to come up beside them and put their their hand on their shoulder just so that they can experience someone being with them and knowing that, hey, I'm not alone. But sometimes, and this is where the tragedy is, that when simple, innocent, consoling touch is exactly what's needed, we avoid it. We avoid it because touch has become so perverted in society we've, we've come to the position where we're afraid to touch, just in case an allegation might be made against us. And yet it, it really remains one of our basic human needs to be touched. At the moment, I, I look around this room and I'm amazed at the number of teachers here. Put up your hand if you're a teacher or trained as a teacher or work in a school. Put your hand up. There's, some are a little reluctant. Yep, Very few teachers. And here I am, compared to you guys, I know nothing about, about this. Um, I rang my cousin during the week, who's also a teacher and she works has, does a bit of work with childcare centres as well. And she told me how there was a period where pretty much all touch was discouraged. But now the experts are realising something which I think most of us always knew, is touch is something that's very much needed in the life of a child. And sometimes, often, the ones who are hardest to love are the ones who need the love the most. And there are ways that we can safely share touch without being inappropriate on the back, as long as it's above the waist, a sideways hug, a pat on the head, a rub on the head, a a high five or whatever. And very importantly, don't share touch if there isn't other adults around. But Jesus often touched those whom he healed. Um, Some of you will know that Robin's um, trained in infection control, that she works in hospitals and whatnot. Um, And she probably cringes at the fact that Jesus constantly seemed to break infection control policy. He'd touch people with infectious diseases. He, he would touch the untouchables, people who everybody else by law were forbidden to touch, and yet Jesus would touch them. But when the people brought the kids to Jesus, it seemed like the disciples in this instance tried to shoo him away. Uh, the disciples rebuked them. They disapproved that these kids were being brought to Jesus. Now, we're not actually told why. Now, I've heard this passage be preached on many, many, many times. And usually we get told, oh, it's because because they thought that Jesus' time was much more valuable than these kids and they shouldn't, shouldn't be bringing the kids. Well, actually, we're not told why. And that could very well be so. That sounds like a logical sort of reason why they might have done this. But the thing is, we're not told why. But what we have here, and what the point is, is this is yet another instance in a long line of instances where the disciples had it completely wrong. The disciples seem to be constantly on a different page to what Jesus was. And I actually, you might find this odd, but I actually find that oddly comforting because I know as a disciple of Jesus, I often get it wrong. And as I read this, this gospel of Mark, I see this happening over and over and over again, that the disciples are getting it wrong, but Jesus corrects them and then they move on. And that's what Jesus does for us. We, we might get something wrong and then be totally devastated that we've been on a different page to what Jesus is. Well, just let Jesus correct us And then we move on with Jesus. And when Jesus saw what the disciples were doing, he was quite indignant about it. Why would you do something like that? I mean, he didn't say that. That's just my picture of indignation. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. And then our version says, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. In the Greek, it literally says For such as these is the kingdom of God. Hey, Lauren, could I borrow Sammy for a minute? Is he up to it? This is about the stage I normally give Samuel to somebody else. (laughs) Apparently, he's been busy down the back. Anyway, how important is a child? How important is a child? Jesus said, for such as someone like this is the kingdom of God. Yeah. Hey? Isn't that amazing, though? Kids, kids just want to grow up, don't they? How often is it that we've heard a, a child being described as, oh, he's eight, going on 18, right? That's how we sort of hear children being described. And, and there's nothing new about that. When I was a kid, all I wanted to do was grow up. See, I just saw each next age hurdle as being just one more step to get over before I get a bit more responsibility, a bit more autonomy, and before I'm allowed to do some other things. The bigger motorbike I'd be allowed to ride, the bigger gun I was allowed to shoot, a bigger piece of machinery that I was allowed to operate. It's part of growing up. And when when you're a kid, you want to grow up as fast as you can. But as we grow up into adults, it's really important that we don't lose sight of the nature of the kingdom of God. You see, we often get it into our heads that when our kids get old enough, that's when they'll understand enough to become a follower of Jesus. Right? That when they get a little bit older, then they might have a bit more knowledge about it. It couldn't possibly happen until they get a bit more maturity. But you know what? Jesus just throws all that on its head. Jesus didn't come just for adults. The kingdom of God is for such as these. Children, you know, you might have heard people say, oh, we've got to to really look after the kids because children are the future of the church. You've heard comments like that? that totally misunderstands it. People like this fella, they're not the future of the church. They are the church. You ready to go back to mum? Okay. (laughs) Righto. We've just just endured another long, tedious election campaign. And I'm surprised that the politicians still seem to do the kiss the baby thing. What is it with politicians and kissing babies? What, what is it with politicians who've always got to go to, the, to a preschool to get a photo op? I think it's probably something that's supposed to give an air that, hey, this person is someone who cares. Right? this is a person who is interested in you. This is a person who is interested in your family. Rubbish. <laughs> Once the election's over and the cameras have moved on, you know that they're not interested in you and your family. Um, if you don't believe me, just you can give it a bit of an experiment if you like. Next week, you can sort of ring your local member, ring Mr. Little Proud, and, and just let him know how little Johnny's gone in his spelling test this week, and see how, how much interest he has in that topic. Because rightly so, he's probably not that interested. Politicians are not interested in your family in that sort of a way. It's just a photo op for them. Now, is that what was going on with Jesus? Is it like Jesus, oh, no, 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 don't, don't, don't chase the kids away. Come on, children. Is that, is that the image of Jesus? Do you think that's what Jesus was doing? Not at all. Jesus loves, welcomes, and blesses little children. Jesus genuinely cares about our kids. In fact, he says, such as these is the kingdom of God. That's why here at Bush Disciples, the Bush Kids Sunday School is just as important as whatever else we do. That's why many of you are personally involved in teaching Sunday School because these kids out there in the cold (laughs) are just as important as any of us. Now, Jake and Lauren, I know it would be impossible for you to comprehend this. But there is someone who loves your children, your child, more than you do. As parents, we think, how could somebody possibly love our kid more than what we do? But the thing is, Jesus does. Jesus loves Sammy even more than you guys do. And I know you love him a lot. So Jesus welcomed the children then Jesus went on to say something really profound. He said, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom like a God, like a child shall not enter it. Let me tell you, that is a very real stumbling block for some people. We have here a picture of a childlike faith, the unquestioning trust that a child places in an adult that they love. I reckon, oh by the way, I promised Ben I wouldn't tell, tell you which child it was because he gets embarrassed when I, when I do that. So I won't tell you who it is. But I reckon about the most ashamed that I have ever felt was when I unintentionally betrayed the unquestioning trust of one of my children. When one of them was a little boy He had a haircut and um, one of our boys is quieter. The other one sort of likes to talk more. Things got really quiet when one of them left home. But during his haircut, he was talking a fair bit and he ended up with hair in his mouth. And um, he came to me afterwards, Oh, Dad, Dad, I've, I've got hair in my mouth. And I've been trying to get rid of it and I can't get it out. And, and he, I said, what have you done? He said, oh, I've done this, I've done that. And I've rinsed it out with water and I've still got this hair in my mouth. I just can't get it out. And I was actually doing something else and I was just trying to fob him off. And so I made a joke out of it. Oh, did you use soap? No, he wanders off. And I just kept doing what I was doing, really pleased. I'd managed to just fob him off like that and not do anything. And it was a short while later, he comes back. What's wrong, Ben? Soap, it tastes horrible. And I felt terrible. All of a sudden, I'd gone, in my eyes, from being father of the year material to the worst dad in the whole wide world. I just felt awful what I'd done. Totally ashamed that I had betrayed the trust of my little boy who trusted me so implicitly. But does that give you a picture of what the trust of a child is like? It's straightforward, unquestioning trust in the one who loves them and cares for them. And that's the sort of trust that we need to have in Jesus. And it's okay to have that sort of trust in Jesus because Jesus isn't like me, okay? You you might have a bit of a problem if you have that sort of trust in me, particularly if you're one of my kids. But you don't have that sort of trouble trusting in Jesus because Jesus won't betray you like I did. But for some people, that remains the barrier right there. In their perceived intellect, they reckon that they know better. They believe that that they are above having that sort of trust. See, to them, a childlike trust is something that's childish and not in a good way. They see it as being naive and simple-minded. I talked with a man once who'd been in church all his life. And he said to me, I no longer believe in the God that I was taught about in Sunday school. And he was very proud of that. And then he went on to tell me how he had discovered a very different God to the one that he was taught about in Sunday school and the one that we read about in the Bible. And basically it was a God that he made up for himself. He said, I can't can't believe in that God. he does too many supernatural things. I, I just can't believe in that God. I've grown out of that. And so I've got this God that I believe in. And he said, you can't expect me to believe in that other stuff anymore because that's the sort of stuff, it's just a fairy tale that you tell kids to believe. I'm not like that. I'm not a kid anymore. I've moved on. And my heart really broke for him. And my heart still breaks for him that the unquestioning trust that he once had in God He'd let that go. You see, we have here Jesus takes a child in his arms and he says, such as these is the kingdom of God. And yet this man was so proud that he'd grown out of it. According to Jesus, the only way to receive the kingdom of God is like a little child. Now, what did he mean by that? Being childish? Being naive? I don't think so. What are the characteristics of a little child? Well, firstly, they're totally dependent. I, when you look at the, the, the natural world, the animal kingdom, or whatever, I can't think of any animal that, who's young is as dependent as a human child and dependent on their parents for as long as a human child is. Why did God create us that way? Why did God create us so that we are so, as children, we are so dependent upon our parents? I think he did that so that we would learn how to be his children, to totally depend on him. If I don't think that I need Jesus, if I'm very happy in my independence and in my self-sufficiency, if I'm not going to pursue God, then how could I ever receive the kingdom of God? But when I know that I need God and I'm seeking God, when I know that, hey, my life actually is a bit of a mess and I actually need Jesus, that's when I'll seek him. Jesus told us that when we seek him, we'll find him. And secondly, a child has a straightforward, unquestioning trust in the one who loves them and cares for them. When the Bible talks about faith, that's what it's talking about. Faith is having an unquestioning trust in the one who loves us, faith isn't having to go and believe something that's unbelievable as much as it is having a straightforward, unquestioning trust in the one we believe in. It's strange, you know. As we get older, we, a lot of us, we start to develop these skins, shells, um, layers of armour, let, let's call it layers of protection that we build up around ourselves. And, and we build these layers of protection up around ourselves out of our past experience. We've been hurt by people. We've been taken advantage of by people. And so we build, and every time that happens, we build up more and more protective layers around ourselves. And these might be expressed in cynicism, skepticism, distrust, sarcasm, suspicion. And the thing is, we have these layers to try and protect ourselves. In, in, more, in the more extreme cases, they might be topped off with a good dose of narcissism that makes us think, hey, I've got it all together. It's all about me, and I'm on top of it. And all of these lies that we build up to protect ourselves are precisely what keeps us from the kingdom of God. Here we are, we're desperately trying to protect ourselves from being hurt And in the process, we shut out the very one who can heal our hurt. We shut out the very one who is our hope. Jesus kept it pretty simple for us. He said, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Sometimes I hear on Christian radio presentations by brilliant men, uh, Christian apologists like Ravi Zacharias or John Lennox. They, these blokes are truly brilliant men, and they debate some of the world's most brilliant and renowned academics and atheists, and they hold their ground. And it's all very impressive. So it's not only simple people like me who believe in Jesus, smart people do too. But you know what? even for brilliant men like that, following Jesus all boils down to a simple childlike trust. At the end of the day, that's all they got going for him. At the end of the day, that's all I have going for me, a simple childlike trust. And that's all I have to offer you. See, I can't make any of you believe. I can't debate you into believing. But I can invite you to trust Jesus and to give up some of those layers of skepticism, distrust, suspicion, and to begin to experience the kingdom of God. And what a blessing that is. Jesus took the children in his arms. And he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. What's a blessing? Truly, what is a blessing? How do I describe it? Well, it's a blessing. May the Lord watch over you, may the God of peace fill you with his peace. May the Lord fill you with his spirit and lead you in his paths of righteousness. May you know the Lord's presence with you and take away your fear. But these are all examples of blessings. And we want our kids to be blessed, don't we? We want our kids to be blessed? To right, we do. But do you realise a blessing can only be found in God? Because if I don't believe in God, it's not a blessing at all, it's just wishful thinking. Imagine, if I didn't believe in God, what kind of a blessing would I have to give to my children? Well, boys, I hope things go well for you. Gee, thanks, Dad. You are still hoping to win gold, Otto? Yep. Okay. Right? If we're not connected with God, It's not a blessing. It's just wishful thinking. In Jesus Christ, the whole concept of blessing actually means something. It means something that without Christ it cannot mean. And what a privilege it is to be blessed, but also what a privilege it is to be able to bless. You know, most of us, sort of think oh I'd like to be blessed and we think just in terms of of physical blessings oh I get this oh that was a blessing but what a privilege it is to actually be blessed to have somebody speak the blessing of God to you and into your life but also what a privilege it is for you as a disciple of Jesus to be able to bless another and of course today we're thinking about blessing a child. What a privilege that is. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you that that you are the God in whom we can trust. You are completely dependable, completely trustworthy. You are just, reliable, and you have the power to keep us. Lord, we pray for our children today. We thank you that you love and bless little children. It is so amazing to us as parents that you, the creator of the universe, cares for our little kids. And Lord, we praise you for your kingdom is not made up of the rulers, the mighty, the invincible. Your kingdom is for those who have absolutely nothing to offer but our simple trust in you. Lord, I think of a man who encountered Jesus in this very same Gospel of Mark who said, I believe, help my unbelief. And Lord, he echoes what so many of us feel. We believe a little bit, help our unbelief. We trust you a little bit, help our distrust of you. Lord, help us to trust you more. Lord, we offer ourselves to you in our simple, childlike faith. And Lord, we pray for a blessing. We pray for a blessing on, on all those here, for our young folk, for the infants, for the parents, for those who are not yet married, for our youth, for the elderly. Lord, we pray for a blessing. May we grow As your people, walking with you all the days of our lives, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.